Hey, good morning, Hillcrest family. Week three uh, of our Tension series. Uh, we are truly trying to do what that song just said, that we are seeking to know God. My, my name's David. I'm one of the pastors here. And, and I, love, I love this idea of tensions, where we are celebrating the tensions of the and of God in this either or world. That questions are a beautiful thing around here at Hillcrest. Sometimes it feels like when you walk into church, you're unable or not allowed to ask questions. Uh, we hope we're a community that embraces questions and wants to sit in those doubts and, and wrestle with the complexity of who God is and, and welcomes everyone wherever they're at on that spiritual journey, knowing that uh, though it may not always seem like it and it feels like sometimes we have to have our life all figured out before we walk through those doors or click in to watch a live stream, we hope Hillcrest is a place where, where just like in week two, our view of God's grace uh, is what reconciles us and connects us all. So we're heading into week three, and I don't know how you're feeling about COVID right now. I mean, I, I started this thing in March, just feeling like uh, on cloud nine, thinking I'm gonna get all these things done, I'm gonna be so organized, I'm gonna be so introspective and thoughtful, and if, if I just had this time to, to sit and, and ponder, then I'd have it all figured out. Then April rolls around, and I'm thinking, when did those like murder hornets descend on us? And then June hits, right? And, that, and now we're thinking, okay, things are starting to, to open up. And, and, and we're just saying, July, sit down and be quiet. We don't want to hear from you. We want to continue on. I mean, I, I feel like the year 2020, I saw this meme. It's like my 90-day warranty is almost up and I want a refund. I, I want to turn back in 2020. So I don't know how you're feeling about 2020 right now, but, but if you're anything like me, uh, God's been faithful and we want to keep moving forward. And we're in week three and I think it's actually incredibly relevant to where we find ourselves um, because seeing things is God's gift. And before we get into the text and the sermon, I wanted to share a little bit of God's gift in my life. And behind me, you see my three beautiful babies. And we just received a gift from God that we were told wasn't impossible, was going, but was going to be highly improbable for our lives. Uh, but my wife and I are pregnant and we're, we're uh, expecting baby number four. And, and we, are, we are just thankful um, that quarantine wasn't so boring for us and that God is continuing to be faithful in our lives. Um, and so in the chat bar, I'd love your thoughts. If you have a name recommendation for us, for Casey and I, I would love if you clicked that in the chat box right now, whatever name recommendation you think we should, we should uh, name baby number four. But, but here's where we're headed. We're headed into this tension of the God who is far away and yet close. And there's a, there's a, a quote from Mere Christianity from C.S. Lewis that helps capture this for me. Here's, here's what he says, because he's asking the question, where is God? And it feels like sometimes we need to go to the mountaintop experience or, or to the boundary waters, or we need to go somewhere. People are always asking this question, and they wander looking to answer this question, where is God? Because sometimes he feels so distant uh, from my everyday experience. That, that he feels so other that, that I don't necessarily feel him in my day-to-day. -day. And, uh, and there's this view that I think C.S. Lewis shares with us in Mere Christianity. 
Suppose I am writing a novel and I write, Mary laid down her work. Next, a moment came, a knock at the door. For Mary, who has to live in between the imaginary time of my story, there is no interval between putting down the work and hearing the knock. But I, I who am Mary's maker, do not live in that imaginary time at all. Between writing the first half of that sentence and the second, I might sit down for three hours and think steadily on Mary. I could, not, I could think about Mary as if she were the only character in the book and for as long as I pleased. And the hours I spent in doing so wouldn't appear in Mary's time, the time inside the story at all. I think there's this complexity where we, we sometimes see God as so wholly other and people are asking, where is God? I think, I think we see a different side for the Christian who wrestles with a God who is so wholly other and yet is simultaneously present with us moment by moment in our story. Here's where we're headed this morning. When we celebrate that God is eternal, separate and independent from his creation and yet intimately involved in it, we begin to live with greater awareness in the mundane and confidence in the uncertain. When we actually press into the tension we're gonna to explore today that God is inhabiting eternity and yet present with us moment by moment, we actually have a greater awareness of his presence in the mundane everyday experiences of life. As I, as I watch my kids spill cookie, Crackers all over the floor, God's present, and he's also present in the uncertain. And we're going to hear from one of our guys, Gordy, later on in our service about God's presence in that uncertainty. So pray with me as we press in to tension in week number three. God, you're so good. Thank you for who you are, what you're doing in our lives. And the, and the gift that you've given Casey and I, no matter what the outcome will continue to be, we want to trust you both in the mundane of the circumstances of morning sickness and, and pregnancy hungers, and in the uncertainty, knowing that, that we do not know or get to determine what the future will be. So meet us in our story, and I pray that you're gonna meet each person watching in their story. Thank you, Jesus, for your glory, we pray. Amen. So I wanna start back here where we were in week one as we press in to this tension this morning because here's our conviction that there was a God who exists outside of time and he chose to write a book through 40 different authors over 1500 years. We call that process inspiration. And he inspired those human authors to write those very words. And so we read these words like we did last week in Philippians 2. And today we read these words, we're actually hearing the very words of God through Paul, through Peter, and then today through Isaiah. And then today, we get to read those words. And we want to increasingly move, not just someone who hears someone talk about those words, but actually become the person who's reading and hearing for himself or herself from God. And so we want to talk about two ideas this morning as it pertains to God's transcendence and his imminence, and that God is eternal and that he is present. So we're gonna start with God being eternal. And here's, here's what we mean when we say God's eternal, that he's transcendent. That God is wholly other in the sense that he is unlike his creation. 
God exists outside of time. He stands above and distinct from his creation because he has made it and he rules over it. And and we're going to look at a specific text in Isaiah. We're not going to do all the background in Isaiah, but Isaiah shares a little bit of that tension of God being both eternal and present. And we're going to start with his, his eternal component. Isaiah says this, And it shall be said, build up, build up, prepare the way, remove every obstruction from my people's way. For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place. That there is this God who is wholly other from his creation, who exists outside of time, just like that story that we read from C.S. Lewis, who was writing about Mary and put Mary, put Mary in the story down for a second and stepped outside of time and could think about that story for as long as he has cho- yes, chosen. He inhabits eternity. Now, I want to wrestle with some of the complexities that exist if we don't believe or press into his transcendence as full as we ought. And so for me, it starts with this. If, if we don't experience his transcendence as much as, as we ought, if we don't embrace this tension that he is transcendent, I, I, I fear that we could become too bored with God, that he becomes too familiar to us, that, that just when you buy a new car, our, our current Ford Flex doesn't fit all of our kids or our future kid as well as we'd want. And so we went and purchased a minivan. And there's this joy that comes with entering the minivan life. No, 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 no. Not joy that comes with entering the minivan life. Because there's a lot of people that keep telling me, David, <laughs> you've succumbed. You, you've joined the minivan club. And, and part of me still wants to hold out that I'm not ready to join the minivan club. That's why we have the Ford Flex, which feels much more like a, via, a car. We bought this van. And it's exciting. The new car smell, well, used car, <laughs> new to us. But that new car smell, some cool features that are on it. it and, and you're excited about it when you first open that present, buy that car. But then over time, if maybe you're not as wowed by some of those complexities or features, it becomes familiar. You become over familiar with that thing and, and you lose interest. I think the same could be true if we don't actually sit in the reality that there is a being who sits outside of time and interacts in a way where the, the, the prophet Isaiah says he inhabits eternity. There's a fear that we could become bored with this God. I think second, if we don't have a high view of this transcendent being, we could feel like, where's that God that I ordered? He's not here at my beck and call. Well, where is he? Where is he to do my bidding? Eugene Peterson says this in a book called Jesus, The Way. Jesus is the way. Says this, the Jesus way, sorry. He says this, here's our test. Are we using God? Or are we letting God use us? The temptation is to think that God, and there's a typo in there, you'll catch that. The temptation is to think that God is there to serve us. The temptation is to come to God as a consumer, shopping for the gospel as a commodity. The temptation is to reduce God to a cozy domesticity. That we become, that we become, uh, that we become low in our view of transcendence. 
that we begin living as if, where is this God that I ordered? He says it this way, a little later in the chapter. Do we require a God that we can fully understand and control? Or are we willing to be obedient to what we do not understand and could never control? Is God a mystery of goodness whom we embrace and trust? Or is God a formula for getting the most out of life on our terms? This test, the test that says, are we using God or are we letting God use us? This test results will show whether we have been blithely assuming that God is pledged to give us whatever we want whenever we ask. We have thought all along that God is there to serve us. This test will tell us, do we want God in our own image or do we want the God who is beyond us and over us? Is he transcendent? Who we trust will do for us what only God can do in the way that only God can do it. No strings attached, no reservations, no caveats, the whole hog. This test will tell us, do we have a high view of his transcendence? Third, I think if we don't have a high view of his transcendence, there's a tension that we could mix up the creation with the creator. And there's a, there's a word for that that's called pantheism where we begin thinking that God is actually in the flowers and in the trees. No, God actually exists above all that. And, and, and sometimes the negative could be, for some of us, we don't want pantheism. We don't want to be tree huggers. And so we run from actually embracing God the creator creating these trees. And we distance ourselves and now some people could have a wrong view of the creator by the way we act towards his creation. If we don't have a high view of his transcendence, we could confuse the creation with the creator, but we never want to acquiesce and not see that God is actually involved in all of this. And I think the fourth that feels more uh, present to the story of Jesus, if God isn't transcendent over time working these events out, we could then be led to believe Jesus' life was just a non-redemptive tragedy. That it just happened somehow along the way and the death of our Savior doesn't have the same significance or consequence. It was just a, a, a tragedy that happened during, during time. Instead, we have a high view of God's transcendence. But here's the beauty of Isaiah. Not only does it speak to God's eternality, it actually speaks to his presence. Here's what Isaiah says in Isaiah 57. He's gonna tell us this. God is everywhere, present and involved in his creation. He is present in time and creation is continually dependent on him for its, ex for its existence and its functioning. Here's what he says in Isaiah 57. It shall be said, build up, build up, prepare the way, remove every obstruction from my people's way. For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place. And then we could be struck by this reality. God feels so distant. He feels so absent from my everyday experience and we go, oh, I get that. I get that because he is so holy other. Who am I to even believe that he cares about my little needs? He's so transcendent. But the prophet says this, not only does he dwell in the high and holy place, but also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. 
Where is God in the tough times? Our conviction isn't that he's distant and I have to go find him, but rather he's present with me, both in the mundane and in the uncertain. So if we don't fully embrace the tension that he's both transcendent transcendent and imminent, here's my fear. If we don't have as big a view of that idea that he's present with us, we might feel and attribute an inaccurate view that God is both physically and emotionally distant. That we might attribute an inaccurate view and have, and there'll be implications for that view of his character. One of the ways, if we don't view his imminence as fully as we'd want, God is emotionally distant and physically distant, so I have to go to some high and holy place to go find him. I need to go adventure to the borderlands to find him because he's not here in Oregon, Wisconsin. I need to travel somewhere else to go see him. No, he is actually both emotionally and physically present, present here with us. But I also might have a view, if I don't have a high view of his imminence, that he's unable to intervene. Or he's able to, he just chooses not to and therefore unwilling to intervene. That if I don't have a high view of his presence with me in the day-to-day, I could attribute this idea that that God is powerless to actually intervene in those moment-to-moment circumstances. Or he's just unwilling and he, he doesn't care about the needs going on in my life. Yeah, those spilled goldfish crackers, ah, it's too small for him to care about. Uh, I mean, yeah, who am I for him to take notice of me? I think third, if we don't have a high view of his imminence, we could miss his work through the things all around our world. The deist would say God just set the world in motion and stepped back and put his hands off. We actually believe God is imminent and intimately involved. Back to this story of Casey and I popping out a fourth kid, hopefully come January. We actually believed as we went through those fertility treatments that God was intimately involved through the medicine that was provided through those those procedures. That those actions taken by us weren't absent, but there was actually a God who was present and imminent with us during those times. And then last, if he's not imminent, if he's not present, if he's some distant God, then I think we actually have a problem with the incarnation because Jesus then wasn't actually fully God. He just came as a man, lived his life, and died. If we don't actually believe that God was both fully God and then was able to be imminent and present with us, I think we have a problem with the incarnation and the very person of Jesus who we follow, the beauty, and we're gonna wrestle with that tension later of Jesus being fully man and fully God. So here's where I wanna end. And then we're gonna hear a story from one of our people. But I think there's four ideas of how this hits my heart. First, when I'm in those times where I actually feel alone, Maybe during COVID, you've experienced this more than even in years past. When I feel like no one cares, here's our conviction 
that the God of the universe who's transcended over time is actually fully present and cares and is with you. When it seems as though no one will listen, when it feels like I'm just, I'm just asking and making requests for my marriage, for my kids, and it feels like there's no one listening. God, you feel so distant. Here's our conviction. That though it may appear that he's distant, he is responding. And we want to keep seeking after him. Third, when it feels like things are spinning out of control. Maybe you look at some of the things you're experiencing recently and, and you're just trying to grasp on some sense of normalcy. Where it appeared we were moving towards greater opening and Dane County has now moved us back to phase one. When we were making plans for vacations and those vacations no longer are going to happen. When things feel like they're spinning out of control and maybe I've been furloughed for another week. Do I actually believe that the God of the universe is drawing me to himself and I am secure in his love? That I have a high view of both the transcendent and imminent God. And then last, when tomorrow appears in doubt, I believe that I am bound for glory. That all my hurt, all my pain, all my shame is gone when Jesus calls my name. That I actually have a tomorrow beyond this life if I trust in Jesus. That when tomorrow appears in doubt and it feels unclear and uncertain, I actually rest in this tension of God's transcendence and imminence coming to bear in my life. So I want to introduce you to a guy named Gordy, and he's got a wild story. Some things that I imagine many of us haven't even come close to experiencing, but I imagine some of his story touches us deeply. So I want you to hear from Gordy and how he wrestles with the imminence of God.